0: Hello baseball fans and welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year and there is no offseason. I'm your host Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this on the final day of August 2017 from my home in Pasadena, California overlooking the historic Rose Bowl. I'm here because there are workers coming to our house. We're doing something Uh, replacing some stuff in our house, and so I have to be here. A human being has to be here, and my kids are at school, my wife is at work, and your pal Sully is here, Uh, and and I can't get anyone else to be here for me. So I figured while I'm waiting for the truck to show up with the workers who are going to come start doing some stuff, I decide to do a podcast that will probably be totally irrelevant by the end of the day, but I want to get this stuff on record now. Um, first and foremost, uh, I hope everyone's given something uh, to the horrible, the horrible events that have happened in in Houston. Uh, you know, I've contributed some money to the Red Cross and some other organizations. I've donated. Uh, there's that's, you know, about what you can do. You know, if you, if you have a chance to do something, you know, and to contribute. To make sure that there's there's funding going on, you know, I can't fly out to Houston right now. I can't, you know, grab a uh, uh, I can't grab a shuttle, a shovel, or 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 something like that. But I can, you know, I can send money. I can try to see if there's you know things that you can do, and sometimes that's what you need to do. You know, I, I can't I can't do much more than that. Um, but, but do something because, you know, I, if you pray, then, then, you know, by all means pray, but there's more to do than that. I mean, there, you have to, you know, there's actions that have to be done, uh, as well. So anyway, I, and I, I, the, I kind of wish that the, there was John Daniels. I'm just going to quickly address this. Uh, You know, it's it's already a few days old, this piece of news. But, um, you know, John Daniels said that, well, you know, there's some controversy over what to do with the Houston versus Texas series that's going on. Um, Obviously, they couldn't play it in Minute Maid Park or Enron Field or whatever the hell it's called in Houston. And the Astros says, hey, why don't we switch it? Why don't we flip it? That, you know, this series will be played in Texas. And then the series that's supposed to be in Texas will be played in Houston. We'll just sw- we'll flip it, and to me that seemed like the 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 obvious thing to do. And the Rangers said no, and they offered to say, "Hey, we could play a series in our in our place where there's we give the gate to Houston and everything like that," but. And there was the, what John Daniels says, oh, it wouldn't be fair to the Rangers fans who bought tickets for those days and they'd have to make their plan, change their plans right away. It's not fair to them. And I, I think I rolled my eyes when I heard that because I thought, like, um, buddy, you know, if the hardship is over a Texas Ranger fan in September over whether or not they can sell their tickets... I that's isn't that kind of low on the priorities like "Eh, we don't want to inconvenience them while people are you know floating in boats out of their home and seeing their lives and being totally destroyed I mean isn't kind of like okay that of all the sacrifices you you have to make in life a September series in Arlington seem where the Rangers you know they're in playoff contention but they're there on the periphery of playoff contention and and you're like really that's just it's just bad optics i i never understand maybe it's because i was a communications major when i got my master's degree from washington state university i don't want to brag i've got a master's degree in communications which means i master communications but you know if the rangers would like to hire me i can talk to them about things like optics and the way to present a message. And the way you don't present a message, like, well, you know, I don't want to inconvenience these people. They may have to go to StubHub. I mean, in the end, the Astros and the Rangers are going to find a solution. It looks like they're playing the games in Tampa, which, and, you know, they could have flip flopped the series. They, they the, the, Rangers didn't want to, the Astros didn't want to do it the other way. It just seems like there could be an easy way where both sides could say, hey, look at—is there a solution here where we all look like we're not being petty? I mean, that's the thing. When there's a disaster, when there's actual stakes in the game, not, well, can people scalp the tickets or, well, we don't want to travel an extra day, but hey, Everything I own is gone. People in my, li- in my life are dead. You know that's what's happening in Houston. Is when you're in situations like that, you almost have to take a you know take a look in the mirror and say, "Don't be a shit." Just don't be a shit, and don't look like you're being petty. I mean, I'm not going to get political or anything like that. But that's why when there is a disaster and you are a, and a, a government official representing the people, you show up. You say, well, can we help? What can we do? And more importantly, you get on the TV and you tell people what to do. That's part of leadership. I have my criticisms and thoughts and and things about Giuliani, but I remember that after the days after September 11th, I remember him being on TV saying, here's where you go for this, here's what we need, here's what we don't need, here's where you donate, here's where they don't need your time. If you raise prices trying to gouge people, we'll shut your business down. Don't be a shit. Optics. So when you have this catastrophe that's hit one of the largest cities in the country and people's lives are being up to, you know, overturned, just be aware of how you look and sound sometimes. Because it creates it creates a distraction. It makes the Rangers look petty. when the Rangers, I don't know the Rangers. I don't know anyone working there. And I'm sure they're fine people working there. And it looks like they're doing the right thing in terms of, you know, raising money and getting things ready and everything like that for the fellow Texans. And Bannister, the manager of the Rangers, said some fantastic things about like, hey, hey, this is not a time to be about... This city versus that city. This is a time we got to stick together as Texans and Americans and blah, 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 blah. That's optics. Jeff Bannister gets it. John Daniels, just don't go on. Man, like, eh, You know, it's really hard to sell your tickets on short notice. Shut the fuck up. Sorry, Ray, but come on. Optics. Say we will make sacrifices like selling our tickets on StubHub. You know, the meaningful things. So anyway, I, I wanted to get that off my chest. I initially got really mad at the Rangers on Twitter, and I started tweeting some angry things. And then I realized, hey, wait a minute. There were some things that I wasn't understanding from certain points of view. And there things that the Rangers were offering to do, which are like, okay, that's a good thing. But just, just optics. It's the, it, here are two things that take no time, no energy, and no money. Hustling. And not sounding like a shit. It's very easy to hustle. You know, it's very easy to show uh, enthusiasm and I'm going to get this done, I'm going to get this, you know, not dragging your feet. Takes no, it takes no money to do that. You don't have to go to the bank and get a loan to do that. It takes effort, okay, <laughs> sorry, you had to wake up. But it doesn't cost anything. And optics, don't be a crap, it takes that takes no money, it takes no time, it takes no energy, it just takes a moment of thought. How does this sound coming out of my mouth? And do you know what, sometimes that's important. Because if you say things publicly, here's what, what about freedom of speech? Shut up, I'm gonna hit you with this rake. There's nothing to do with freedom of speech. Anytime I hear someone blather about freedom of speech, I lose my mind. All the freedom of speech means is the government can't arrest you for what you say, okay? So if you complain about freedom of speech and the person who is, you're complaining for is currently not imprisoned, then you might as well be talking about a recipe of lasagna because it has nothing to do with the topic. Freedom of speech does not mean freedom from criticism or consequences and when you go on a public forum you represent whomever you are representing whether it's a television show a government or a baseball team and if you come on a public forum and you say something stupid you are saying something stupid while representing whatever organization they put on your chiron underneath your face and if you say something that makes that organization look bad and puts them in a position where they have to make apologies, they have to do damage control, they have the right to fire your ass. Now, should John Daniels get his ass fired for this? No, he shouldn't. I don't think it's a fireable offense, but it should be one where the owners and the the, the CEOs and all this of the Rangers say, "What the hell are you thinking? What are you thinking going on television?" or radio, and, and making us look bad, you twit. So do the right thing, contribute, because they need funding, they need money, they need to have, be able to keep the wheels turning. And if you can help, great. If you can't help, don't be a distraction. You know, this is, this is real life, and, you know, and, and my hearts go out to everyone there and, and do effort. Don't just pray. If you pray, fine. I, I, I respect whatever you believe. But don't just pray. Praying is asking someone else to do something. Those people who are on a boat or floating away, they're praying to you to do something. Don't you pray. It's not a relay race. Go do something. You know, Contribute. They need they, they do something along those lines. That's that's all I'm going to say along those lines. Here's okay. Here's the main thing I want to talk to you about today. You know, there there are times when you get to this point of the year. I have this. I you look at the schedule and it's like, oh, if this game happens, if this team wins, and that team loses, and this team wins, that team loses, then all these great things can fall into place. Now, I'm doing this as a greedy Red Sox fan. I'm doing this as a greedy Red Sox fan where I want. As many good things to happen to the Red Sox because I want the Red, they're my team. I'm a Boston Red Sox fan. And I want them to win the division. And the faster they can win the division, the better off they'll be because I want them to line up their playoff uh, rotation to have Chris Sale to be available for games one and game five of the division series, which will probably be against Cleveland, but that's not written in stone. You know, Cleveland's only three games back of the Astros at this point. And the Astros, I mean, this is where real life will start to intersect with baseball. The Astros are going to be displaced. And there's, I mean, there's a few distractions going on in Houston. And three games for a team like Cleveland is not going to be that hard of a series to make up. Let me get back to the Astros in just a second. But when you look at the the matchups, you think, you know, I want to see the Red Sox win as much as possible, the Yankees to lose as much as possible, not just for the pettiness that I have. Sports is good because you could be petty about sports, not about real life. And so I want to see the Yankees flounder, not just because I'm a Red Sox fan who loves to see the Yankees sputter, but also because the more the Yankees lose – the closer the Red Sox get to winning the damn division. Oh, look at here come the uh, workers. So i gonna have to pause this podcast for a little bit. I'm going to get back to the main point that I want to bring about. Okay, I'm back. Um, I'm outside, actually, uh, because they're ripping up stuff from our carpet and their saws and things like that going on. And, uh, you know, I figured uh, probably shouldn't be recording anything in there. Uh usually people are I don't know late when they come up to you know to help in our house and uh these guys were right on time. I thought I was able to kill time with a podcast. So anyway, I, I'm not hundred percent sure where I left off, but uh let's get back to the topic at hand is that you know you root for some things. You say if, well, if this team wins, if that team wins, if this team loses, if this team loses, then I have everything I want to have happen. Well I, I've grown to Stop worrying about that sometimes because it's like, look it, I'm rooting for the Red Sox. If the Red Sox just win their games, then it almost doesn't matter what everyone else does and how greedy can I be? So I went into yesterday knowing that just a few days ago the Yankees had crept to within, I think it was two games or one game in the lost column of the Red Sox. And saying, oh, man, they're going to catch us, aren't they? There's going to be a head-to-head series. It's going to be a disaster. And I have to look up and see the Yankees win the, the division on us. And then the Red Sox won a few games, and the Yankees lost a few games. And not only did the Yankees lose a few games, but their grip on the wild card, which a few just a week ago looked like it was a foregone conclusion they were going to be one of the wild card teams, has suddenly become precarious. And so I went into yesterday saying, all right, if everything goes right tomorrow, the Yankees are going to play a doubleheader. If they lose both those games to the doubleheader to Cleveland, and the Red Sox win their game against Toronto, and Minnesota wins their game against the um, who were they for? the White Sox, and the Angels win their game against the Oakland A's. I'm used to rooting for the Oakland A's, but there's a bigger there's a bigger principle at hand here. And Baltimore wins their game against Seattle, then all of a sudden the Red Sox magic number will have dropped from thirty to twenty-five in just three days. And the Twins would be only one game behind the Yankees. The Angels would only be one game behind, two games behind the Yankees. The uh, Orioles would only be two and a half games behind the Yankees. And suddenly, the prospect of not only the Red Sox clinching the division early, but the Yankees being pulled back into the scrum, and my desire to have all-out absolute anarchy in the American Wild Card would come true. And I said, well, do you know what? That's kind of being greedy. That's asking for a lot. And so just hope your team wins and move on. Well, guess what? Everything I just said and wanted happened. It was a best-case scenario. It was absolutely everything going the way I wanted. The Yankees lost both games, and the second game was really an embarrassment and they, you know, they got swept in that doubleheader. The Red Sox were losing early and thought, like, well, you know, at least the Yankees, you know, they trimmed two off the magic number. Then the Red Sox bats went ballistic, and all of a sudden, that was a blowout game. The Twins made mincemeat out of the White Sox, and then the Orioles wound up winning a wild game. And then in a bananas game between Anaheim and Oakland, of which I watched the last couple of innings after putting my boys to bed, the. The Angels went ballistic, and even though they let up eight runs in one inning, they came back and they won the game, I think it was 10-8 or 11-8 or whatever it was. It was a big score to a lot of runs, and all of a sudden we look up, and here we are, the final day of August, and the Red Sox' magic number is down to 25 if the Red Sox can just split the next four games with the Yankees, then the magic number will be down to 21 going into Labor Day weekend. And that's just basically, you know, cruising in time. And all of a sudden, what I wanted, just talk about just a few days ago, just was an absolute, you know, I wanted anarchy in the American League wildcard. And even then I would say, well, you know, the Yankees probably have too big of a lead to the so basically it was anarchy for the second wild card position even though in my fantasy I included it in them well to to quote Marlon Brando at the beginning of Superman the movie this is no fantasy no careless product of wild imagination no my good friends this wild card race which i present to you today specific charges listed here and against the individuals these are matters of undeniable fact. And while I'm not condemning Zod, Ursa, and Non to the Phantom Zone, I am pointing out the fact that the Twins are playing in just a few minutes. By the time you hear this, you probably the results of the game will be there. And the Red Sox will be playing the uh, Yankees later on this afternoon in California. If the Red Sox win and the Twins win, again, nothing outlandish right there, then Minnesota and the Yankees are dead even. With the Angels and the Orioles, just, you know, just a game and a game and a half behind that. There's 30 games left for the Yankees this year. 30. And if the following things happen, the Twins play two games better than the Yankees, and the Angels play three games better than the Yankees, and the Orioles play four games better than the Yankees. I'm not talking about like 15 games better than them. I'm talking about over 30, over a period of 30 games, can you play three games better than this team? Sure. That, that's possible. And if all those things happen that I just said, there would probably be a three way tie for the wild card and it not include New York. The possibility of a four way tie for the wild card is. Not outlandish. In fact, if everyone plays roughly the same, we could be going into the final weekend of the series and not really knowing who goes where and who goes what. And that's going to bring up a point that will be completely moot in just a few hours. Teams need to make a deal now if they want to include someone on the postseason roster and have someone, here comes a saw. Oh, yeah. If they want to have someone on the postseason roster, they have to be acquired by today. I don't know what time today, but sometime today. Now, an interesting thing happened, and it has nothing to do with that saw or this other saw that's going on. It has to do with the fact that Jeff Samarsta has cleared waivers. Jeff Samarsta, who was last game through a complete game shutout for the Giants, Jeff Samarjna is a good pitcher. Is he a great pitcher? No. Is he a Cy Young contender? No. But he's a good pitcher. He's a solid pitcher. He's someone you put him in the rotation, you know you're going to get six, maybe seven innings out of the game, and you're every once in a while you get a great game. Sometimes you get a shit game. Sorry, Ray. But most of the time you'll get you know a reliable set of innings is what you'll get. Now, he has cleared waivers because he's owed a crap load of money for next year. But let me bring something up to a couple of teams right now. The Yankees, for one. The. Uh, well, let's go. Samarsta right now. I'm at baseballreference.com, the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth. Samarsta right now is pitching for the Giants. He is, you know, if you like records, he's 9 and 12. He's thrown a complete game shot. He's thrown 176 and two-thirds innings. He strikes out just about one batter an inning. He's only walked 26 batters. His ERA is 4.43. So he throws you a lot of innings. He strikes out a lot of batters. He doesn't walk many. He has, as his four-something ERA shows, he'll have some good games, have some great games, but he'll give you a bunch of innings. That's the main thing you'll get out of him. And most of those innings will be okay. You know, he's, he's a good pitcher to plop in your rotation who won't burn out your bullpen. So let's bring up something, though. I'm going to bring up a couple of teams. Here's a few teams to bring up. The first team I'll bring up will be uh, the Yankees. They have Severino, they have Tanaka, and they have Sabathia. Sabathia has been an injury risk. He's pitched very well recently. You have Sonny Gray who you know these are they're they're fine pitchers but there's injury prone and there's been some inconsistencies and putting a Samarsta in their rotation could be I don't know worth a win or two down the stretch would it be worth the Yankees to say hey he's cleared waivers we can trade for him if we want another team I'd bring up is Minnesota who have Santana and uh, Barrios, who have been pitching very well. Cologne's done okay, but after that, it's really a you know they they they've lost Santiago, they've lost Mejia, they've lost Phil Hughes, they they have the rest of the rotation. Certainly after Santana and Barrios is falling off a cliff. Kyle Gibson's been awful, and having a pitcher like Samarsta, who every five games, you go like, well, we know we have someone who won't stink. Could that be the difference with as precarious a hold on the postseason is, where, as I just pointed out, I hate saying literally, but literally a game here or a game there could be the difference between going to the postseason or not going to the postseason. And winning... The wild-card game will, at this point, have you set up with Houston, who is a beatable team. In other words, getting into the postseason as a wild-card team, which could be an extra win here, an extra win there, could be the difference between, yeah, we're there, and, oh, man, we missed it, and a clear path to the American League Championship Series. And for a team like Minnesota, who have, you know, what we learned from Kansas City a few years ago, is you've got to take advantages of your windows of opportunity. Could this be a surprise window of opportunity for the Minnesota Twins? Another team to bring up, and this is an absolute, you know, borderline desperation, is Baltimore. Baltimore, who has played unbelievably well over the last bunch of games, and, you know, Dylan Bundy has been outstanding, but you're still looking at a starting pitching staff where you're the Jeremy Hellickson's of the world, the Kevin Gosmans of the world, the Wade Miley's of the world, the Ubaldo Jimenez's of the world, the Chris Tillman's of the world. This is not a very good starting rotation. One decent starter in there could be the difference between Baltimore playing in the postseason or not playing in the postseason. I brought up, the, uh, I brought up Anaheim and what's going on with them. And the fact that they have had an absolutely decimated starting pitching staff. You know, you're, I mean, how much are you going to rely on Parker Bridwell, who, by the way, started last night and got absolutely smacked around? Their starting staff sucks. They're relying on the Jesse Chavez's of the world and the Ricky Nolasco's of the world and the Tyler Skaggs of the world to dra- and the Andrew Haney's of the world to drag them into this. If you just say, hey, look at once every five games, we're going to have a guy who gives us six or seven innings, we'll be okay. Again, a game here or a game there is the difference between Mike Trout playing in the postseason and not playing in the postseason. And that also brings us to Houston, who we talked about at the beginning in terms of the relief and the help we got to give for the city. Well, think about the team itself. You know, when you take a look at the team on... Uh, the 5th of July, they were something like 20 games over 500 and absolutely cruising. Since then, they're five games under 500, and that stranglehold they had on the top spot in the American League is a lot less secure. They're only three games ahead of Cleveland for that top spot. Three games. Cleveland, the way they've been playing, can make up three games against Houston, especially if they go into a spiral with all the road games they have to play and everything like that. I'm talking about the Astros. And the fact that their starting pitching staff has been lacking, has been lacking all year. And people were stunned they didn't try to make a big acquisition down the stretch. Again, I'm not saying Jeff Samarjda is the second coming of Christy Mathewson. But what I am saying is he's a reliable major league starter. And throwing someone like that into your rotation could be worth a win. Could be worth an additional win. Or maybe two additional wins. And what I've made very, very clear is that with an additional win here or an additional win there could be the difference between October or none and I guess one of the things that I'm saying is is if I were San Francisco not the city but the Giants I would be all day long calling up the Astros calling up the Orioles calling up the Yankees calling up the Twins and calling up the Angels and playing them off of each other because if the Giants could make a trade and get a player who could be the everyday like trade for someone's everyday outfielder who's in double A or about to make the leap to triple A that you could say realistically could have a shot to be on the major league roster there goes the saw again on in 2018 and if you they could do that and get their left fielder or center fielder of the future in exchange for Samajda, who is you know, who is 32 years old, pitchers don't suddenly get younger again. If they could get a piece like that and plop it into a team that doesn't really need to blow, they don't need to blow the team up. They're going to have Bumgarner next year. They'll have Ty Block next year. Chris Stratton has done okay. Kyle Crick has shown some promise. They still have Posey. They still have Belt. They still have Panic. They still have Crawford. They need a, a better, younger outfield. And if they can say, hey, we picked up a good, solid, young outfielder in exchange for a pitcher who is not going to be part of the next playoff team, then that's not so bad. That's not so bad. And if those teams, look at, if you could say, what's the difference between us playing in October and not playing in October? A player who's not even going to be on the roster this year. You know, if you're if you're a team like Mike, you know Mike Trout's Angels, and you're saying, "Man, are we really, really going to miss the postseason again? Is that really what's on our plate this year? Well, what's the difference between making the postseason or not making the postseason? Sacrificing a player who's not even going to be on the team. I mean, you could play that paranoia off of all of those clubs. Don't you want to go to October? Don't you want to go, don't you want to have a playoff time? Don't you want to potentially beat an Astros team that is beatable? Or if you're an Astros team, wouldn't you want to have secure that top spot and go in and and get a clear lane to the American League Championship Series where you have home field advantage and maybe have one additional pitcher that you'd have to use to face Boston or to face Cleveland? I think it's probably going to be Cleveland. You know, I mean, could that be the difference? Again, Samarjda might be... You know, when you compare what those teams have, Samar's does an okay pitcher who every once in a while could be terrific. When you look at rotations that have some players that make you go, yuck, jeez, is that person even in the major leagues? And you replace that person with, well, you know, he, he's reliable. And you say, oh, that gave us a win that we would not have normally have had. And then you look up at the last week of the season oh, man, we're all tied. You need all those wins. So what I'm saying is we will know by the end of today what happened. And the Giants, I think, if they finish today with Samarjda still on the roster, then I have no clue what they're doing. This is an opportunity to get a nice building block, a nice piece to the puzzle, and get it based upon the paranoia of five franchises that you can play off of each other, and specifically the Twins, Angels, Orioles, and Yankees who have a chance to be all bunched together, and they need every edge they can have. Wouldn't Showalter rather go to a Samarista than these bozos he has thrown out there? Wouldn't Sosha just relax every once in a while and say, hey, look it, we know we got a major leaguer going tomorrow. Wouldn't Joe Girardi, who has been wearing his bullpen to the absolute bone, be able to say, hey, look it, if we have some Marsers as our four or five starter, we don't have to burn our bullpen out every other day, especially with no days of rest. And wouldn't if you were Minnesota say, hey, look it, what if we get to the postseason ahead of schedule? What if we do this and all of a sudden, what, it, what does it cost us? Someone who's not even on the field this year or maybe even next? play those teams off of each other giants and one of those teams would be smart to make that acquisition this isn't about fleecing someone now this would it be worth a everyday player for the future i don't know maybe it would be if you realize this is your window of opportunity yes every once in a while that player thrown in a last-minute trade, turns out to be a Hall of Famer. Every once in a while, it's a Bagwell. Every once in a while, it's a John Smoltz. But most of the times, it's Matt Laporta. Most of the time, it's, it's someone who never comes back up again. You know, a Dustin Ackley. You know, it's the players who don't amount to much are usually the ones who are... Th- they're, they're, that they don't pan out. And is it worth giving up if you got some player in A who's like, God, this guy's a really good Double A outfielder. By 2018 or 2019, he could be an everyday player. Is that worth saying, well, then I guess we're going to go with a subpar pitching staff in 2017 when the American League is so bunched together? You've got four, I think as many as five franchises who are in a moment of desperation, Giants. And if I were you, I would pull that trigger. I don't know. Houston's calling us. Lie! Call their bluff. You know, just say, oh, you really don't want to go to the postseason? All right, I guess I better call Baltimore. I guess the Orioles may want us Mar's Marston. He's cleared waivers, and you have one day to pull this off. And for these other teams, you have one day to say, yeah, What stinks in our team will stink a little less. And a little less stink might mean, hey, we're playing in the playoffs. And in the end, isn't that what you're trying to do? Is that what you're trying to do? Not even just in terms of rah rah sis Is that what you're trying to do with your television ratings? Is that what you're trying to do with selling season ticket packages? Isn't that the point? They said, oh, how are we going to sell season tickets? Well, if you want to go to playoff games, you buy uh, season tickets for 2018 and blah, 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 blah. You know, you could package the advertiser and say, yeah, yeah, root for us. Put your advertise with us because we're a playoff team. We're exciting. Make this trade, Giants, and make this trade one of those teams. Every team I mention, Angels, Astros, Twins, Orioles, Yankees, would all improve with a Samarjda pitching, you know, what what will it be? Four or five starts, okay? Not the end of the world, four or five starts, but four or five starts, if he wins a couple of those, which normally you'd be relying on a guy with a five ERA and blasting through your bullpen, that may be the difference, That may be the difference, not only for that game, but for games you can actually say, all right, maybe we'll only need to get six or nine outs instead of 12 or 15 outs. It all adds up when we're talking about 30 games. Fill in the cracks. So, um, I may uh, do a little uh, epilogue uh, for this podcast uh, later when we see what happens, but this is not a second guess, this is a first guess. I want anarchy in the American League wildcard. And for all those teams that are completely bunched together, an additional win might be the difference. So I'm going to go back in and see how much dust there is flying up around my house. So go to sullybaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Koliski. Seeing my house being repaired, and trying to repair a wildcard chase. This is Sully Baseball for August 31st. 2017, I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.